0: Quick story, I don't know if it's appropriate, but about a person in Texas, Jim, who announces at the group, by the grace of God and the fellowship of the program, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink for 20 years. And then Sally pipes up a table over and goes, I thought you uh, drank a couple weeks ago. He goes, yes, but that wasn't necessary.
1: (laughs) I I heard heard it through the the grapevine.
0: Welcome. It's the
1: AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. What do you say, Sam? What's up, Mr. Don? It's kind of not Palm Springs-y here today. It's gray. Yeah, you've got a catastrophe looming. Hurricane, right? yeah coming your way. Yeah, of course. You know, everybody's listening to this way past that, so they know how it turned out. But right now, yeah. I don't know how it's gonna turn it out. Yeah, either your life is destroyed or <laughs> it just passed over. I mean, well, yeah, I exactly know it could be either way. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. I, I'm upset because I just learned that our galaxy is headed for a direct collision with the Andromeda Galaxy, and it is going to be a train wreck. It is going to be a train wreck, and you're the only person who should be concerned about it because, you know, you and your spiritual gas giant status (laughs) means you'll probably stick around for it. Well... You know, these these things can be upsetting. Yes, Don, but that's really that that future thinking that gets so many of us in trouble. So I I really wouldn't worry about, you know, our galaxy crashing into the Andromeda galaxy because it's probably not going to ruin your day. You don't need (laughs) to worry about a little old hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, read the daily quote that we got in email. (laughs) From the cradle to the grave, there is always something wrong somewhere something to rob us of enjoying perfection something to bother us when we put one thing right another will surely go wrong sooner or later so it behooves us to enjoy every minute we can for a minute lost is a minute gone forever cumbria june 1975 the great art of living and the book emotional sobriety 2 available on aagrapevine.org You can sign up to receive these daily quotes in your inbox at aagrapevine.org also. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, it's the truth. I remember the first time I read every minute I spend on the resentment is a minute that takes me out of the sunlight of the spirit, which is the present moment. What's going on now instead of being in the past? Or, like the impending collision of galaxies or an approaching (laughs) hurricane, the future. Well, think about it. It's self-centeredness, which is a big problem for alcoholics like me. You know, because if I'm thinking about what's happened in the past or what I think might happen in the future, I'm thinking about it all about me. How is this going to affect me or how did it affect me and what can I do about it? Or me, 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 me. One foot in the past, one foot in the future, and... I wonder where that's going. (laughs) And And it's raining cats and dogs all over the the present. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, who is our guest today? Don, today we welcome Mark K. from Casa Grande, Arizona. Mark has an article in the September 2023 issue of The Grapevine. It's Testing the Waters on page 59. You can look it up on your app. Check it out. Everybody do that. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Don, how can I support the Grapevine podcast? Since the Grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even on our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. What? What? If you want to support the podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on Store.
0: Hi, my name is Mark, and I'd like to thank Sam and Don for inviting me to this podcast. It's kind of up my wheelhouse. I had a old sponsor that once told me that the only speaker meeting I liked was the one in which I was the speaker. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, sure. Talking about me, me, me. So <laughs> it's, all me. It. It's, all
1: it's all about me. It's all about
0: me. <laughs> well, Mark, when did you get sober? January 10th, 1989. If you would have told me that day, it was my last day of drinking. It would have been a pretty far-fetched idea but I had hurt myself in a ski accident and I was on painkillers and they told you not to drink on these. And what they really mean when they tell somebody not to drink, like my wife, she doesn't drink, but I, you know, what it meant was keep it down under a six pack. And so, yeah. you know, you can have a few. I like
1: the way you favorite. think.
0: <laughs> well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. That doesn't apply to an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. I cut it off and I went to this nightclub at happy hour and I was, uh, you know, they, they told me not to leave. There was a few times at this place where they get a cab and I used to take it across the street and come back, get my truck and go out about my merry way. But this night it was kind of dark out and I decided I needed more cash and pulled up to a Seven Eleven. 11 I uh, made it a drive through.
1: Oh, and,
0: uh, yeah. I did what any respectable member of my family would have done. I turned out the lights and left the scene very quickly. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> yeah I hid the truck, and uh, you know, I even went back to the seven eleven to make sure I did it, and uh, yeah, they were fixing the window, and it took a few days. The state patrol got a hold of me, and they really wanted to talk to me, but something happened. it was five days later. he just gave me a careless ticket, and I was coming home, and I didn't drink for that five days I passed that bar it started at, and I thought I ought to go in, I'm really thirsty and that autopilot for the first time I thought, go home tonight you can drink tomorrow if you want, just go home. Uh, you know, I think it sounds a little strange, but maybe a voice of intervention. And so the next day I got up, it was six days. And I wondered if I could do it a week and then wondered if I could do it two weeks. And it took a, a month or so. But as I got stronger or weaker, you know, instead of beating them, I might as well join them. I met this girl who introduced me to AA and the rest was history. So your first month of sobriety was without the uh the Yes, white knuckling it. Yes. Did you drink in that month or you didn't drink in that I month? I didn't. I didn't. But I had a realization that everything bad that happened to me happened while I was drinking. And that everything good that happened to me happened while I was drinking, followed by I was always drinking. And then came the realization <laughs> that, that alcohol was no longer the uh, solution to my problem. Alcohol was the problem. So I had kind of an immediate epiphany, and I seemed to internalize what it takes everybody a long time to learn, that one drink was too many and a thousand wasn't enough. So you knew you were an alcoholic? Yes, I knew. I just, I didn't know the solution. My younger brother had nine months more sobriety, but I didn't know he was going to AA to do it. You both were wanted. felt like you needed to conceal that you were going to
1: Alcoholics Anonymous, because of some feeling of uh, shame around being an alcoholic or, or quitting. And it was it in your family? Or where did you get this idea that it was
0: shame I guess the ultimate shame in being an alcoholic. Once you go to AA, the last house on the block, you've essentially admitted it. I guess it's the final nail in the coffin. Of- it's
1: admitting defeat. And, yes. And the, I think maybe the shame for me was I can't hold my liquor, mm. you know? Because succeeding as a drinker is a big deal in our society, right? Well, With all of yeah. my drinking
0: buddies. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, what was attractive in AA that drew you in? Well, there was a identification. You know, I, I thought I was fighting this battle alone. At the time, it was Colorado, and this girl suggested, and she was in another 12-step program. The relationship was fading away, and I thought, well, maybe if I went to a meeting, then that we'd have something in common. And I went over to the central office and I bought a book and then I, they had this club and, you know, I stood at the turning point the first night I, I drove up and I couldn't walk in. You yeah. Know, the second night, you know, drove around the block and it took a lot of courage, but I got in there and there are 50 people. It was a closed meeting. I, it was on the fourth step. I didn't know why they had to spend so much time on that.
1: Take a personal inventory.
0: Yeah, I read the steps on the wall, and I knew I wasn't going to do step five, and I wasn't going to do step nine. <laughs> and while I was at it, I wasn't going to do any of these other God steps. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the Lord's Prayer, just uh and then holding hands at the end, I didn't like that. But there were people in there that were fighting the battle I thought I was fighting alone, and it gave me enough to go back to another meeting. Some people come in uh, AA and willing to do anything, but I had willingness grew on me. You know pretty soon I developed enough willingness to ask somebody to be my sponsor. After the first Thanksgiving when I almost drank I finally became willing to do the steps. You know willing to go to any lengths at the start kind of grew on me and I, I stayed sober a lot early on on fear and meetings but sooner or later relief wasn't recovery and yeah. I had to learn that kind of had an educational variety but very early on, yes, I, it was the fellowship that I craved.
1: Well, what was the first thing in AA? You, you made a list of a bunch of steps that you were determined not to do and things in AA was asking you to do that you were determined not to do. What was the first thing? What's something that you did that AA asked you to do? Kind of against your will. I don't believe in this. And then getting on the other side of it, saw the benefit of it.
0: Well, that would probably be asking for a sponsor. That was tough. Back then, this guy I really admired him and I finally asked him and he said, Yes, but you have to go to this business meeting. And so I went to this business meeting and he nominated me as treasurer. So <laughs> ten months, I, so within a, a week of almost drinking at Thanksgiving, we went to a family's house and they pre poured wine at everybody's place setting. And I wasn't gonna eat the god awful green bee casserole and I wasn't going to do this or that, but I didn't want to insult the host by not drinking the wine. Oh, and what stayed sober was my brother who got sober ahead of me was sitting there, got me to the point where I realized that if he wasn't there, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I couldn't rely on the human power. So I tested the water on uh, spiritual power. Uh, so within a week of almost drinking, I had a sponsor and I had a service position, and I was off and running. Another two months later, did the steps, and it sounds
1: like that the uh, that the idea of God for you was an experiment.
0: Well, yeah, if, no, I wasn't going to go to a meeting in a church,
1: and a lot of meetings are in churches, right? That knocks out about
0: ninety percent of the meetings. Yeah, I went to one in a strip mall, but it was in a church, and I and I realized it after the fact. God and I have had a, a start there. I guess there's a series Star Trek where uh, Spock went onto to a planet and got in trouble and these monsters and the space shuttle, and he was stranded. And he barely escaped the planet by the skin of his teeth and got up to space again, where there was no enterprise. And he jettisoned the fuel and ignited it and made a flare and Kirk saw it and Kirk went and got him. Anyway, Yes, Spock, you sacrificed 20 minutes of life for, uh, 15 seconds of life for two minutes or whatever. And he goes, that's not a, a logical act. And Spock told Kirk, well, I deemed it was time for an irrational act. And this Wild is my story into AA. I deemed it was time. All right. I'll give this one shot at spirituality. Mm.
1: Mark, my, my little, I just had a little nerd gasm here. Um, <laughs> I got chills. I'm seriously a, a Trekkie. Y- yes. An irrational act.
0: There was a time, too, when I decided in Colorado, I four-wheeled up to this place I knew about and then hiked on this little knoll, and I lit a huge bonfire and demanded that God get down here and show himself to me, and I would have got put in a straitjacket, kind of a nervous breakdown, and anyway, God didn't, but the fire burnt down, and I was out of guns and bullets and everything else, and I was looking at the stars and the, the planets, and I realized that I didn't make it. You know, somebody bigger than And so at least that was the first half of the second step. I finally admitted there was a power greater than myself.
1: Mark, you've been sober for a while now. Yes. What does your sobriety look like today?
0: Well, I've been very fortunate. I was able to retire at 56. And we moved from Colorado to Casa Grande. And work took up a lot of time. You know, how do I fill the void? And it's of service. And there's two treatment centers down here. So I spend a lot of time there. There's people that come into the meetings. Uh, I got involved in district a great deal, and I became DCM. And then I'm still involved in the area. I was talking earlier about a uh, meeting list coordinator for the state, the assistant. So that takes up a lot of time. And then I uh, drive Mondays for the uh, food bank. And then I got on a human relations board for the city you know, AA was kind of a proving ground. I, I went to these business meetings and, oh, geez. But, you know, then I carried that over to work. And uh, all of a sudden I was on the safety committee. Then I was on the process improvement committee. And then I was on the negotiating committee for the contract. And I regret it sometimes, but I'm on the HOA board. <laughs> <laughs> me too. You know, it's uh, it's AA has given me the tools. The tools. Yeah. You we know, talked about step eight in the 12 by 12 about these defective relationships. And I'm able to have some healthy relationships with people. And so when
1: AA permeates our lives, it really shows up everywhere in them.
0: Yes, We learn how to
1: behave in groups of people.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there was a story in a previous grapevine about our travels. And the wife and I, we had, even while working, we were able to travel like three weeks a year with this truck and trailer and pulled it all over and been to pretty much, I said every meeting, but I might be wrong by one, west of the Mississippi. Uh, oh, been, wow. In every state. <laughs> so now I've, we've done some traveling and stuff nine meetings in foreign countries and in a couple of days from now I'm going to Peru they got an English speaking meeting there so I wrote an email to this guy hey do you still got your meeting going he responded yes and I go well I'll take you to dinner a few uh-huh. days from now four days from now I'm going to meet a friend yes friend friends Peru. we haven't met yet right all over the world Yes. And, you know, and I've got some AA stickers, the bat symbols, and I'm going to bring them some of those. (laughs) Well, Mark, this
1: is great. Stick around and join us as we listen to some questions from a listener. It's time for the Ask It Basket. What's that? That's the name Bill W. gave the basket that was passed around for questions. We want your questions for our guests. General recovery questions, newcomer questions, AA history. Got a question for the Ask It basket? Go to aagrapevine.org and click on podcast. And now let's dip into the basket. Rebecca B. wrote in a while back asking us to discuss confusing sayings in AA. Here are two of them for today. Rebecca writes, the think, think, think sign, LOL. My sponsor and many old timers told me it's not meant for me and I need to stop thinking. And some places have the sign upside down on the walls, meaning the same thing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I think that's what that means when you see this think, think, think upside down. Well, I think that maybe means, you know, turn your thinking on it on its end. That's good, Sam. What do you think, Mark? Have you, I bet you've seen these signs over the years.
0: Yes, I think, 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 think.
1: <laughs>
0: to uh, think the drink through its conclusion. Yeah. You know, it's an immediate uh, ego talks loudest, ego talks first, and here's a drink here. And The thing is, drinking well fixed my problem for a few minutes, but I need to think that drink through.
1: I like the idea of when I first got sober... First thought, wrong thought. <laughs> and oh, I like that. So whatever I'm thinking, I probably need to do the opposite when I first got sober. But then as I have been sober after a while, we learn how to handle situations that used to baffle us. We get rewired. Yeah.
0: Seinfeld had an episode, Opposite Day where George realized everything he did in life was wrong. So he did the opposite of his natural inclination.
1: <laughs> and life got really good. <laughs> Don, I remember uh, when Blair, our mutual friend, was sponsoring me, he talked to me about those signs. And he he informed me that there was an order that they go on the wall and that think, think, think was supposed to be upside down. The order is live easy, but think first. <laughs> the first word from each sign. <laughs> Here's another one of Rebecca's questions. In quotes, relapse is a part of recovery. End quote, I hear many people get upset about this one, which I understand, especially for anyone who is new and has never relapsed. I heard my sponsor share in a meeting about relapse that it doesn't have to be part of your experience, but if you stay sober long enough, you will see and witness others relapses and some may even die. That hits me really hard. And so I try to be gentle and kind to anyone who comes back after a relapse. And when I sponsor, I do my best to be patient and kind, but with healthy boundaries and truth. Yeah, that's a tough one. And we talked about relapse and recovery several episodes ago where I made the mistake of an absolute statement. For a lot of people, relapse is a part of recovery, not for everyone. You know, a lot of people before Coming to Alcoholics Anonymous, tried to quit and found they could not and relapsed and relapsed and relapsed and did not relapse again once they got in the rooms. And uh, there's a lot of us who have come to the rooms, myself included, that found I couldn't stay stopped as soon as I got in the rooms and relapsed and relapsed and relapsed. But what she's talking about here, especially the compassion with which we address people who are coming back from a relapse or people who are in a relapse, It is not my job to chastise anyone, to chase them out of the rooms, to chase them away, to make them feel less than. We do not shoot our wounded. It's my job to welcome them as many times as it takes, and hopefully they get it. What do y'all think about what Rebecca's asking here?
0: Yeah, I have the saying that relapse is the absence of recovery. So there is something, you know, this person may or may not have missed, and I'm hard to judge. I've been sober since the first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think that's also important uh, to let people know, mm-hmm. because sometimes at relapse meetings, somebody doesn't feel they're a real alcoholic until they've gone through three or four times into AA. So it's important for people to know that they'll never have to drink again. And as I said earlier, I was at a place where I well, I was staying sober on uh, meetings and fear, there's a difference between going to meetings and being at a meeting. There's a difference between the relief and recovery. There's a difference between working the steps and living the steps. And you know, there is a difference between my program and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so a lot of these things have to do with relapse, I believe. You know, my program isn't working, my program didn't work, and so why don't you try the program of Alcoholics Anonymous in a gentle way? Yes, you don't want to shoot the wounded or chastise or anything, but let's, you know, start anew. Margaret Thatcher once wrote, uh, sometimes you have to fight the battle more than once to win the war. And that's true for a lot of people, but it doesn't have to be everybody's story.
1: Perfect. Yeah. I wonder if relapse as part of recovery is not actually coming from a place of compassion to say, if you relapse, don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. It's part of recovery. This is, the, this is what we need to do. I like what an old timer here in Greensboro always gave out the chips for the start over chip. He would say, there are no failures here. The only failures are those who don't make it back to AA. I hear you, Stick. Yeah. <laughs> I love that is don't beat yourself up. Yes, it is a failure, but I had to learn. I had to learn that there's nothing I can do. Complete surrender. I can't take one drink. It's not going to work. And it is that failure where the willingness comes to completely surrender to AA. I also came to AA and had fought that battle for so many years. I never drank again. But many people do. And it's just, a, it's the, when is the point? It doesn't matter. When is the point that I'm ready to give up and get sober somebody else's way? And the program that we have in AA is one way that absolutely works. Relapse as a part of recovery may be the wrong statement. Relapse is a part of my recovery. It's not a part of recovery in general. There's no denying that relapse happened and it is a part of my recovery. So my acceptance of that and moving on is a very important thing rather than beating myself up. So it's not a a blanket statement to say that relapse is a part of everyone's recovery, but relapse is a part of some of our recovery.
0: Our founder, Dr. Bob, had a relapse. So
1: there you go. That's right. Rebecca, thanks for writing in. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And we'll get to your other questions too. And Mark, this has been a pleasure. Indeed. Mark, thank you so
0: much for joining us. Well, thank you. It's nice to join in. And I definitely will get the uh, new Grapevine app. All right.
1: Fantastic. Hey, Don, what are you playing with on your phone? We're supposed to be recording a podcast here. Oh, sorry, Sam. Look, I was just checking my spiritual fitness in the new Grapevine app. Oh, the daily spiritual maintenance checklist? Well, are you fit? Yep, says so here. And look, there's a daily quote and a sobriety calculator. And you can read the latest issue and all of the past issues all the way back to 1944. And you can have the app read the magazine to you out loud as a playlist. It's the monthly magazine in print and audio.
0: Right in your pocket.
1: The Grapevine and Lavinia apps are now available for both iOS and Android phones. To get yours, go to the App Store on your phone. Sam, can you get that? It's the listener feedback phone. 212 870 3418 Yeah, hang on, I'll get it. Hello. Hi there, my name is Brad from Elon, North
2: Carolina. I've been sober for just over 10 years, about 10 and a half years. Got sober in um, Huntsville, Alabama after breaking out in handcuffs. However, uh, the story (laughs) that I wanted to tell is uh, of the young man who will likely become my uh, stepson very soon. You can read into that whatever you would like. And uh, I was telling him whenever I was drinking, I remember one time chugging rum basically just opening the bottle and drinking it. And he was thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah, I can't imagine how much that would have burned. And I said, you know, it's kind of like, you know, almost drinking uh, ethanol racing fuel. He said, oh, wait a minute. You're not an alcoholic. You're a race car. <laughs> 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 I haven't introduced <laughs> myself as that in a meeting yet. Anyway, guys, my name is Brad. Uh, I teach public information for the Federal Emergency Management Agency as a contract instructor. My passion is helping people, and that's one of the reasons why AA has meant so much to me in my 10 years of recovery. You know, you guys have experienced it being the counselor on the spot. You just never know when what you say is exactly what that person walked in for. Uh, and usually they come away thinking, well, my higher power really knows what they're doing. Thank you so much for what you do.
1: Thanks, race car. You know, I, I often have <laughs> I often have to counsel Sam to talk him down. I'm just you know, on the spot. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, that is what I, I love that. You and know. I so relate to that being of service to people. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of being that person that listens, that might have something to share with them. But sometimes it's just about the listening, too. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Uh,
2: this is Mac uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 122370 is my sobriety date. I was just listening to the podcast, one about the convention. That's absolutely wonderful. I love that segment. I've loved all the segments. I've played them all from the very beginning. And uh, thanks very much. God bless you both and keep up the good work. I loved it.
1: Thanks, Mac. I'm glad you enjoyed that convention. Well, you know, we want to do something different. We rotate all the different types of episodes that we do. And we really like to have a variety of all types of shows. Indeed. Mac, thank you so much for calling in. And yeah, we have a lot of fun with all the different types of shows we do. But getting to uh, to meet people at these conventions and chat with so many different people is really a highlight. It is, Sam. And the other thing is, It's very cool to be at a convention with something to do. Oh, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm not good at just being an attendee at these things. I got to have something to do, which is why always volunteer at these things if at all possible. Thanks for calling in. Acorn from April 1946. A man walks down the street and bumps into a light pole. Oh, I'm sorry. Then he collided with a fire hydrant. Oh, sorry. He walked on, bumped into another light pole. Oh, beg pardon? I'm sorry. Defeated, he sat down on the curb. Oh. I guess I better wait till the crowd thins out. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find A.A. Grapevine on Instagram and the A.A. Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about A.A., Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit a.a.org.